Well, welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. If you've been following along with us in the book of Leviticus, you know, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you so much to for your excitement for the Word of God. Again, this book is not very exciting to a lot of people, but you know what? We are living in times right now, in 2020 as this is being recorded, in, in, in things that we can relate to. Now, we may not be able to relate to the to a specific issue of what this chapter. Actually, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be teaching two chapters in one whole um, because they kind of go in line with each other. But we cannot relate to the chapters as a whole in regards to the particular issue, and that issue is the is the issue of leprosy. Now we thank God we don't suffer from that particular disease, at least in the Western world. There are some countries out there that still kind of have had some issues with that. But for the most part, we don't see that particular disease anymore, thank God, by the grace of God. But there is something that we can relate to in which these uh, these victims of leprosy also related to, and, and is that, that is in the issue of quarantine. God had commanded... A particular uh, uh, quarantine to be done for people who were stricken with leprosy. Right now we are suffering through this pandemic referred to as the coronavirus. And through that coronavirus, which is that internal virus, it's not like the external issue of leprosy. This is an internal virus which has caused us to stay apart from one another and to be in as much as quarantine as much as possible. Now we can relate. We can relate to an extent. And and so, I look at Leviticus, you know, and and God was giving some examples thousands of years ago on what to do in order to keep away from certain things. And that's the the beauty of of the Bible, is is that it's amazing what what God had said back then if we'd only paid attention and, and obeyed. If we had paid attention and obeyed, how much better off would we be? And, and so I want us to see that here. I want us to take a look at that and, and, and see a little more of God's sovereign presence in our lives. Now, these are two large chapters, so I'm not going to read every single uh, line here because these are specific instructions in regards to the leprosy and the stages of such. But I will read the things that we need to see here for the most part because we're going to be looking at the issues of the leprosy but in the, in the following chapter we're going to be looking at the, the, the rituals for the cleansing of, of those that are healed and also in the aspects of their homes I think that's a pretty interesting chapter as well that we could really engage in but right now let's take a look at verses 1-8 through 8 in chapter 13 if you have your Bible it says and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling a scab or a bright spot and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body and on the hair of the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body it is a leprous sore and then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean but if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white then the priest shall isolate the one who is the sore seven days 
And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day, and indeed if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. The priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and indeed if the sore has faded, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at all spread over the skin after he has been uh, seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. Now, people would probably think, well, why is the priest involved in this? Isn't this a medical issue? Isn't this something that the doctors should be addressing or or analyzing? Now, we didn't really uh, read too much about... um, medical physicians at this time that God had implemented. But this was beyond. This was something that a doctor could not handle. Because leprosy is a death sentence. So God is equipping the priest to take a look at what the, uh, the symptoms are and, and to observe the, the changes, if you will. The, the priest will examine the skin. And, and, and God, you know, being again sovereign in all things, has given the example here through kind of like what we would look at as a medical textbook. Uh, God gives the perfect medical textbook example here. The, pre, uh, the, the, the doctors could not cure leprosy. Again, this was a very vicious death sentence, a slow rotting, if you will. Some, in some cases, ten years maybe 20 years, of a slow decay. And when you have been stricken with this wretched disease, it would slowly start throughout your body. And it would eat you away. And therefore, as it said there, the quarantine must begin. If it's something minor at first, quarantine for seven days. The number seven is a number of completion. And so... I think that's probably a good a good time to really take a look here and see what's going on. And, and so, the quarantine would have to happen. And what was really hard was is that you could not be amongst your family. You could not touch people. You could not be around people. Now, at this time, this was during the Exodus period when they were having to travel through the Sinai Desert of a 40-year period. Now, they would have to be exiled outside of their camp. Now, in in the New Testament times, during the time of Christ, they had what was called leper colonies. And what there was is they would live in these caves in the hills where only lepers themselves would be amongst each other. They were not allowed to to, uh, be too close to somebody. They had to keep that social distancing in what we are being told to do. But they had to basically make it known to them, to to the public. If they were, if they were walking through the public, they would have to yell out, unclean. So that way, so that way the people would scatter when they, when they came through. Because you, you could not touch them, you could not be around them. And so again, it was it was a very vicious disease. It was a very very vile thing. Now, if, if people would say, why would they get leprosy? You know, uh, to the Jews and to the belief system, this was considered in some belief systems that if you got this, it was because you were in some sort of uh, vicious sin. 
And so you were in sin of some sort if you were leprous. Now, possibly, we don't really know. Only God knows. God had allowed certain people to be stricken with this disease. Um, A couple people that we know of in the Bible that I'll give examples of. Um, in the Old Testament, we had a, 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 a this uh, general who was a general of the Syrian army in the book of Kings, 1 Kings or 2 Kings. And uh, his name was Naaman. And he was a very powerful general in this army. And so he had been stricken with uh, leprosy. And he didn't know what to do. So the prophet of the time was the prophet Elisha. And so his, he had this young servant girl who basically said, my God, you know, my God could take care of this and you could go speak to the prophet Elisha. So he seeked Elisha, but he didn't see Elisha. Elisha told him through another source to, to tell Naaman to go to the Jordan River and jump in and out seven times. Now that is not a normal um, remedy for, for leprosy. And we're going to see certain things here. But what Naaman did, he was insulted considering the fact that he uh, that the, the prophet didn't come to him personally. But then he was like, you want me to jump in and out of the Jordan River seven times? That river is muddy, it's murky. Why can't I go to my home area of Syria and go into a river there? We have crystal clear rivers. That does not make sense. But there was something special about that Jordan River. So Naaman basically obeyed he went and did what he was told he went and jumped in and out seven times and when he did his his skin was better than it ever was it said that his skin was almost like baby skin again and so through that the worship had begun and so also during the time of kings also in in the book of kings probably in first kings in this case there was a king by the name of Uzziah and now he was a good king but towards the end of his reign what he did was is he he did a form of arrogance and uh, obedient a disobedience with a mix of arrogance he went into the temple to light incense which was not the duty of of the king that was the duty of the priest well he decided to go in there and do that himself to take it upon himself to do such a thing in the form of arrogance so he went in there and started doing that and the priest jumped his case and then the king just told the priest where to, where they could go and as soon as he did that, leprosy out of nowhere broke out on his forehead. And the priest took him and they rushed him out of the temple. And King Uzziah spent the rest of his life quarantined to his house. So we had some examples um, here of what leprosy does. So there was quarantine involved. But again, this was, this was vile. This was, again, it would turn into an outbreak over the whole body. And so, this was horrible. This was a horrible thing to have to go through. But God gave them the, God gave them exactly what it is that they were to do if something were to happen. You know, if you, it says even in, in here in verses 45 through 46, it, it, it is said here, Now the leper on whom the, the, the sore is, and his clothes shall be torn, and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. And so this was what they had to do even, you know, a thousand years to, you know, two thousand years later almost, uh, fourteen hundred years later during the time of Christ when lepers were living in the colony and going through the town. But if you had, if you had garments, 
if you had anything that they could not be touched everything had to be basically washed everything had to be or burned or, or whatever the case may be in order for it to happen in order for it to be to be uh, washed away and, and so again this was this was a very serious thing and, and so we, God help us to um, you know to be stricken with anything of sorts you know, because any person with this infectious skin disease, they, they had to perform a strange ritual to protect others. Okay, because the disease was described here in Leviticus. It was, it was very contagious. And, you, and they had to stay away from people that had it. That had to have been the, the biggest thing too, was not just the physical pain, but the emotional pain. Right? I mean, you were not allowed to, to greet a leper. You had to stay... It's funny. You technically had to stay six feet away. You know? And, and so, there were there was rabbis. And, and I'm not joking. This was, this was actually in Jewish custom. That you had to stay six feet away. Now, with what we're going through right now... We are told to stay at least six feet away from people. And there was rabbis that taught in these ancient days, or in, in, in um, ancient writings, there was rabbis that taught that if they saw a leper on the road, they would throw rocks at them to make sure they completely stayed clear. That's pretty harsh stuff. And so I think it was very ironic, if you will, how we were told how our doctors nowadays say you must stay 16 feet, or I'm sorry, 16, no, 16 is fine, but 6 feet apart. And that is exactly what you had to do in order to stay away from, from a leper. It was the Jewish custom, 2 meters, which equals about 6 feet. And so you were pretty much a walking death sentence. It, it, it was a state of disgrace. You lost everything. You lost your hair, your teeth. And eventually it would get so bad that if it didn't kill you already, that a hand or a foot could fall off. You know, the, the, the smell of a person on top of it. And then having to live in a colony with one another. It, it was really quite, really quite something. And so, you know, the Lord has really really uh, given us a form of grace here by not seeing this anymore. That, that we don't have to see this anymore. I mean, there are some countries that have, that have had some issues. But again, these were things that had to be done. Verse 52 says, He shall therefore burn that garment in which is the plague, whether warp or wolf and the wool and the linen or anything of leather for uh, for in linen or anything of leather for it, leather it is an active leprosy the garment shall be burned in the fire but if the priest examines it and indeed the plague has not spread in the garments either in the warp or in the wolf or in anything made of the leather then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague and he shall isolate it another seven days the priest shall examine the plague after it has been washed, and indeed the, pla- the, the, the plague has not changed its color. Though the plague has not spread, it is unclean that you shall uh, burn it in the fire. It continues eating away whether the damage is outside or inside. So if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall uh, tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the wolf or out of the leather. 
So the, the priest had to examine everything. The, see, the, again, there's certain things that doctors can't always uh, explain or fix. But this was also this was a matter of divine. This was a divine matter that only God could fix, that only God could heal. And so, this was something that was in, in desperate need of a holy, divine fixing. And, and I think it's the same thing right now with what we're going through. And this is going to be a part of our history in 2020 with this coronavirus. Because we've been... Uh, working on uh, trying to find a vaccine, if you will, that hasn't been done yet. And this has been going on since, uh, I think, February, March. Uh, that Really, it, came, it became very prevalent around that time. And so, really, we really need to rely on the Lord. And so, this was, again, this was, again, something that, that we need to look at as well right now, that God help us. God help us. God keep us. I, I don't know what the population of people that, that were stricken with this disease was. You know, considering the fact that it was easier to be seen on the person and the fact that, you know, they, they had to yell out unclean, unclean, and then by the by the law they were to keep six feet away from each other. This was something that, that was easily seen, but because of what we're going through, we, we have no idea. This is a cerebral issue that we're dealing with. So reliance on God is vital. Reliance on God is very vital. And, and so now the interesting thing is in, in Leviticus chapter 14, chapter 13 pretty much just covers, uh, covers the, the issue of, of leprosy and examining it and, and basically being able to see what it, what, it's, uh, what it looks like and how to deal with it and what they are to do. But again, isn't that interesting? How we, we kind of see some, some very similar aspects. How even in, in the law that they were required to stay two meters away at that six foot, that six foot uh, um, social distancing, that's what we're to do here. But, of course, the Word of God does not get the credit. So it is my distinct honor to make that known today. And so, in Leviticus chapter 14, that was interesting, because now we, we're looking at some ritualistic, of the cleansing of a leper, because we're going to see, the, you know, that God did. Um, God did heal some of them. And, and, but He also gives some of the medical aspects on what to do with some of the stuff. It's, it's really quite interesting. It really is. Um... In chapter 14 it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed, in the leper. And so the, the priest was to go out and to make sure himself that he was examined correctly. And so the priest, in verse 4 through 7, the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it. The cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them in the, uh, in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on, on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. 
So again, these were just a couple of the items that were used. The bird was used in the ritualistic section of it because, again, the sacrifice, the loss of blood was, was in regards to a lot of things of sacrifice for sin. Now, and a, st- a stick of cedar wood was involved, a scarlet yarn and, and a hyssop branch. Now, cedar wood was, was very, um, this particular wood was very durable and it was also disease prone. Uh, cedar wood did not, um, it was safe from disease, if you will. Now, I, I wouldn't be surprised when we look at the cross. Uh, the cedar wood was very common in the, in the region over there, in the, in the Near East, in Israel, and the other parts of the Near East. And so, cedar wood was probably the choice of wood that was also used when crucifying somebody. And so, um, because of its durability, its strength, and then also considering the fact that it, it doesn't hold diseases, it, it's very disease prone. And so, you take the uh, the, the scarlet, the, this yarn, uh, typically used for curtains and whatever have you. And the color, the scarlet, was a representation of blood. And then you take the hyssop branches, which was used for the sprinkling, the sprinkling of the blood and water. It's a very bushy hyssop plant that they would dip it in and they would sprinkle it on there. And but hyssop was also used for uh, medicinal purposes. So the creation of the hyssop plant was used for that of, of medicine. So he says to sprinkle it seven times. Again, the number of completion. And, and so, you know, it's funny how we use the term scapegoat. In uh, you know, we, I think we went over that in previous chapters when when uh, sins were to be cast upon the goat, you would cast your sins on the head of of one goat that was to be alive and then sent out into the wilderness, and then the other one would be slaughtered in the form of the sacrifice. In this case, you you. Um, you did the same thing with the bird. You know, one was killed and then the living bird would fly away. So very interesting. It was ritualistic. Right? And then he was to, sh- he was to shave off all of his hair, his eyebrows, the whole works, and wash his clothes, burn them, whatever that needed to be done, and start new. And it says on the eighth day that he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and an ewe of the lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah, one, one flour mixed with oil and, as a grain offering, and one of the log oil. And the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean in those things before the Lord of the taber- on the day of the tabernacle, or the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So the priest, the priest declares the cleanliness. Okay, so the priest does the examination. And so the priest shall take the one male lamb. And so the, the, the meat of this particular offering belonged to the priest, not to the restored leper, because it was always, again, whenever, uh, whenever particular animals are sacrificed, they were not gone to waste. The, the, the meat was typically given to the priest. And then uh, other sections were given to the other people. And then they would take the uh, they would take the blood of the trespass offering or whatever it is, and they would apply it on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. And, and, and what they did was they did it to sanctify and in the cleansing of this leper, right? And and, and the right side was always the, the most uh, was considered the, the the side of of strength. Leprosy was considered a picture of sin. So, again, Leviticus has a lot of ritualistic aspects. 
See, God gave medical aspects and God gave us some physical things that we had to do. But we had to, they, they had to do some other things here in order to recognize the sinful nature in the form of atonement back then in this way. You know, in, in, the, um, in the previous chapter that I taught in regards to childbirth, there was, there was rituals that had to be done. God gave uh, particular things that we would do medically today, but he also implemented some of the rituals. Because why the rituals? You are bringing another child into the world who is a child of a sinful nature. So there had to be something to be done with this. There had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a ritual. And so that's why we have what we have here. And so it's interesting because then and then the priest would take the, the oil. And and then he would take with the blood he would do the same thing with the oil. The oil was always a representation of the Holy Spirit. The oil was a representation of healing. It was a representation of the anointing. Uh, they used it for anointing priests whenever they were raised up. So he had the blood for atonement and the oil for anointing. And the priest shall, verse 19 and 20, the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him as to be cleansed for his uncleanliness. Afterward he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. So there was a, this was a lot. You had burnt offering, you had the grain offering. I mean, for such a... Uh, a a very large issue like this. There was a lot involved. You know, because a sin offering, by doing the sin offering, it puts you back in the good standings with God. And the priest was there to make the atonement for him in, in regards to basically holding his hand at the time. And now, when we look at like, oh goodness, thank God for the time of Christ. Jesus restored lepers just by touching them. You're clean. Right? You know, God God gave the law. Jesus was the law who fulfilled the law. And, and isn't that amazing that, that basically here's this leper on his deathbed and he sees Christ Jesus and knows who he is and, and they run up to him. There was, there was a case where ten of them ran up to him begging him. And all ten of them were cleansed. But only one of them came back to thank him for it. So he, Jesus, being obedient, you know, still to the law that he was fulfilling, said to go present himself to the priest. He, he was clean, but he said, go present yourself to the priest. Now, look at God here real quick and what he says here. Because God makes sure, it doesn't matter... What your position is in life. Because God has you covered. It says in verse 21, it says, But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived, to make atonement for him. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour, which wasn't much, uh, mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering to the other and burn offering and he shall be, uh, bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the uh, door of tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. You know, God knew the situation here. If he couldn't afford it, think about it. If, if you had leprosy, you could not really make a living. Unless you were well to do beforehand and had your money saved, then you can probably um, 
take care of some issues, but for the most part, you lost everything. You lost everything. And so, what he also does here now, what was interesting was, they were going to be entering into the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan was what we know as Israel. Actually, Canaan actually stretches further. It stretched from Israel uh, through the Gaza Strip to uh, all the way up to Lebanon, actually. But the, Israel is what we know as Canaan, is what they were uh, coming to take over. But he was telling Moses and Aaron, he says in verse 33 to 35, But when you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they, uh, they empty the house before the priest goes into, the, into it, they examine the plague, that all that is in the house may be made unclean. And afterward the priest shall go and examine the house. And he shall examine the plague, and if, if, if indeed if the plague is on the walls of the house, which is in grain streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house for seven days. Again, something we're very familiar with. Um, this was mold issues. Right, a plague in the house. Uh, the, the, this, this actually, uh, this could be a numerous, a handful of things between fungus and mildew, but it was te- technically mold. I used to work in the building industry some years ago, and again, mold was a very big issue. If somebody saw the slightest bit of mold in the house, they flipped out over it, and so. There had to be precautions that had to be done. You had to you had to cut it out, and you had to cut out certain areas of it, and it had to be wrapped in in a very thick area of plastic and be brought out. And you know, there was such a, a broad um, a broad way of having to handle this. Well, this goes back thousands of years ago. Okay, now the priest was also to go in and examine the house. So now the priest was not just a medical examiner; now he was a building examiner, and so. A building inspector. The priest would come back on the seventh day. And and if it spread on the walls and then of the house and so on and so forth. Um, he, he was told to take the place of the stones. And he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. And so... It's interesting. The interior stone of this home would be uh, coated with some sort of plaster. And, and it would be scraped and disposed of. It would receive a new mortar or plaster. It's pretty interesting back then on how they how they do what they do, and and, and the same thing with here, uh, because again we found archaeological findings about with ancient homes that were actually largely built from stone, and so it says that the if the plague comes back and breaks out in, in the house. You know, and he who goes into the house at all while it is shut up it shall be unclean. And so you were to, you were to stay clear of the house. Uh, in fact, it, it, it ends here. It ends here in verse fifty-four to fifty-seven that uh, this is the law for any leprous source in scale for the leprosy of a garment of a house. For a swelling and a scab, a bright spot to, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. And they were to do the same thing with the, the birds, the cedar wood, the scarlet, the hyssop. The priest would determine. 
So it would be the same ritual that was described in the other verses, I think it was 4 through 7, upon the cleansing of a leper, it was also to be performed on the house. So it's amazing what we can find in the house. The things that, that happen. And, and so, these were things that were going on back then. God did what He did for a couple different reasons. To protect to pre- and to prevent. To protect from harm because He knew what was going on around the, the people. And then there was a prevention of things because again, if you think about it, the neighbors, the people of Canaan... And the neighboring countries were very paganistic, very wicked. And also, in some ways, very uninformed. So, the people of Israel had a very, um, a very insightful education by the Creator. There's no telling what the people of Canaan or what the neighboring uh, areas, uh, what they did when this kind of stuff happened, because it had to have happened in their homes. It had to have happened with them. What is happening to us? I mean, I'm sure that the, the spread of disease had uh, gone out immensely amongst the people because of what they didn't know. And, and so, we look at God, we look at God and we say, Thank you, Lord. You are the one who taught us well. See, we may not be infected with a, with a disease physically. Our homes may not be uh, affected with mold and issues. And, and, and I pray to God that that's not the case. But more than anything, may our lives and may our homes not be infected with sin. Again... Leprosy was considered a form of sin to the, in the eyes of them. You, if you had leprosy, you, you probably committed the ultimate of sins. And so we want to make sure that we are not infected with the sin. But th- thanks be to Christ. He is the one who, he is the one who cleanses. And He cleanses from afar, right where He's at, from the heavenly realms. He was able to cleanse right then and there. You know, people had an advantage. They, they had him right there. He was able, he was able to, to cause the blind to see, to heal the leper, to raise the dead, and heal the sick of any kind. And yet I still hear accounts of him doing that. Now people ask, why doesn't he do that for everybody? Well, I can't answer that. But what I can answer is, is that you need to pray. You need to ask Him. You need to receive Him. And, and by receiving Christ, the Son of God who died for our sins, into our, into our hearts, He lives and dwells amongst us. He is a preventer of sin. He's a preventer of mold. He's a preventer of leprosy. Spiritual at least, you know. And, and so we want to make sure that, again, that we know Him more and more. A Voice in the Distance Ministries is not just to make people knowing of Him, but to also help you know Him in a personal way. And so we are very blessed in some way, shape, or form to have got the information that we do. And to know that that we have a personal relationship with Him. And for those that don't know Him, you have the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Him. 
And so we have the choice. We have the choice to receive or to not receive. He doesn't force anything upon. He, he doesn't force anything upon anybody. So if you feel led to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you want to be with God one day when your time is up, because you believe Him, and, and believing Him is, is, is great. Believing in Him is great. Believing in what you read and everything He's done is great. That, just, that means that you're a little less foolish, if you will. But it's even more foolish to not want to receive Him. But it's, it's a choice. It's a choice nonetheless. And so I want to give you that opportunity. As a voice in the distance, and, and the Bible teaching that's done here is knowing of Him to bring you to know Him personally. And I want to make sure that, again, that the, the, the equipping is being done as best as possible and, and the intimacy with knowing Him is done as well. But again, you can't really know someone until you've been with them. And so I want to, I want to invite you to, inv- to invite Him into your heart because He will show You know, you, you've probably invited many people to things before and they cancel on you and they give you an excuse and a reason why they can't be there. Not the Lord. He is omnipresent. Omni being the Latin word for all, all things. He is all things. He is everywhere all at once. He can be in me and He can be in you wherever you are from across the world within a matter of that that second of you praying Him into your heart. So I want to give you that right now. Let's pray. Let's together. Let let us pray to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. To reserve your spot in heaven. And that you might live a life accordingly that pleases Him and, and, and will be a blessing to others. So if you feel led to receive him, I want to to ask you to say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. I ask of you to cleanse me of my sins. Wash me clean, Lord. As I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask of you, Lord, that you, would, that you would walk with me, Lord. I want to be with you. And I want to be with you when my time comes. So I pray, Lord, that you will receive me now as I receive you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for having me. As I am now your child and you are now my Father, my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And and again, I would love to hear from you. Uh, again, you know, you you can uh you can send an email. And and you can uh let me know that hey, I received him. And I want to challenge you to to get to know him more and more. Because he knows everything about you. You know, the Bible says that he knows every single hair on your head. Now, we may not have that ability with Him, but He has given us everything about Him in His Word. 
And now the, the important thing is, is that when you receive Him, now you're going to know more about Him through His Word and one day to be able to see Him when your time is up. So congratulations on the greatest decision you've ever made, if you've made that. I pray for blessings upon you and your family and for your walk in your life. May God protect and keep you always with all love. God bless.